And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny E. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s we grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 and 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. As always, we are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, right over there, my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. What's up, Jay? What's up, boss man? What's going on? Doing, doing well, doing well. I'm loving your shirt. And for those that don't know, we have a very special guest tonight, friends of the show, the, the superior, top-notch, number one Stone Temple Pilots cover band in the Northeast, Loungefly. They're going to be coming out in a little bit. Uh, but before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, La Terrain Watches. Um, make sure you visit their website, LaTerrain.com. That's L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. You're going to use our promo code SNM. That's the letters S-N-M as in sports and metal. And you're going to save 10% at checkout. Um, before we bring Loungefly out, we're going to get over. You know, we're going to talk about a few things that happened in the past week. The last few weeks we've started with sports. So I figure we'll mix it up this week. We'll start with a little music. Dolly Parton has um, removed herself from consideration for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she was actually in the top four of the fan voting. Um, and this is significant because we all know Dolly Parton's a legend. And she's one of the greatest artists in, in the United States history. And she's an icon. We, nobody will dispute that. But it, she's not rock and roll. And she's already in the Country Music Hall of Fame. And I just think it's long overdue that somebody with the clout of Dolly Parton in the music industry removed herself from consideration for something that's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when she's acknowledging herself that she isn't a rock and roll artist. So kudos to Dolly Parton. I saw Eddie Trunk tweeting about it. I saw Dee Snyder uh, commenting on it. People just in the rock and roll and metal industry just praising Dolly Parton for this. And it has nothing to do with her credentials as an artist. We all know she's amazing, but she's not rock and roll. And she even said in her statement, I don't know if you saw, Jay, she said, you know, I appreciate, you know, the consideration for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I do not at this time consider myself worthy for such a nomination, but I'm hoping in the near future, if I ever am deserving of the consideration, I, I would be reconsidered. And on that note, maybe I'll put out a rock and roll album in the future. It's something I've always wanted to do. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, you and I have talked numerous times about how... To me, in my opinion, all Hall of Fames are a shame, Hall of Shames, including rock music Hall of Fames, sports Hall of Fames. They're all they're all watered down. You know, too many people get in, not the right people don't get in. It's just it's just a mess. And well, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in particular, you know, when you're having year after year as many like rappers get in as rock artists, it's becoming an issue. And you have bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest that aren't that in. still aren't in. You know, and other bands that aren't metal bands, like the rock and roll bands. But, you know, we don't have a lot of time, so we'll move on quick. So we, we, we got our guests coming out in a little bit. The other big thing this week, unprecedented. For the first time in the history of sports, due to the MLB lockout, we have the MLB free agent frenzy going on at the same time as the NFL free agent frenzy. And, wow, it's been a whirlwind. And the biggest news probably of the week just happened today. Deshaun Watson waived his no-trade clause to accept a trade to the Cleveland Browns, a team that earlier today it was reported that he would not waive his no, no trade clause to go to the Browns. And then Baker Mayfield said because they had talked to Deshaun Watson that he was going to demand a trade. So the Browns found themselves in a real conundrum. All of a sudden, 180 turn. Deshaun Watson says, I'll go, I want to play for the Browns. I guess it doesn't hurt that they're guaranteeing him more money than any quarterback's ever been guaranteed, including Pat Mahomes. I think he's getting 140, $184 million in the first four years of the deal. 
I don't know the exact numbers of guaranteed money, but I was hearing it's more than Mahomes and Josh Allen. So I'd probably accept the trade too if I was him, especially considering he hasn't played in a year and he's still facing 22 civil lawsuits. He did pretty well for himself, right? <laughs> I, I mean, an absurd amount of cash. And, you know, obviously, you know, we could talk about Deshaun Watson, the person, but Deshaun Watson, the player, I, I definitely see why Cleveland obviously wanted to move on from Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's almost the polar opposites. Baker Mayfield, it's funny because we always – we laughed and, and, and discussed how, like, the term system quarterback is, like, kind of a joke in itself. But if there was a system quarterback that fit what people are trying to portray by using that word, it's Baker Mayfield. I so would agree. It's definitely um, a step in the right direction for the Browns. It's just a matter of – I still think the Sean will get uh, suspended. It's just the baggage that comes with it. Don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, listen, but sometimes you got to take risks. So I. In, and in, guess in what? Listen. I think the Browns kind of left themselves in a bad spot because if they hadn't made the deal, they alienated Mayfield, and they were gonna—he was gonna demand a trade. So hopefully, it works out for them. I mean, like I said, we got MLB. Freddie Freeman just signed with the Dodgers. That's a big deal. Um, Michael Conforto, the Mets' big free agent that. We knew it was going to walk. Still unsigned. And the big thing today for me as far as, as being a Mets fan, Michael Conforto earlier in the spring or earlier in the year declined the Mets qualifying offer of $18.5 million, which was mind-boggling to me because he was coming off a terrible year and he's got a draft pick attached to him, a compensation. So why would you decline that? But then it, I found out today, it came out, that last spring the Mets offered him $100 million and they were willing to go to one twenty. And he declined it. Michael Conforto, you need to fire your agent. What are you doing? And here he is. You know, it serves him right. Still unsigned. That's an example of greed and misguided information. Because, bro, nobody's the Mets aren't going to offer you that money now. So let's see if he gets signed. I mean, there was so much stuff I wanted to get into with the MLB and the NFL free agency. But like I said, it's my head's been spinning. Anything else you wanted to get into with that? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, there, uh, the other big news was Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's what I knew. It. I knew I was forgetting something because the Deshaun Watson stuff became such a big thing on my mind today. Well, Dude, that's Devontae crazy. Adams uh, to the Raiders. Yes. I mean, $141 million for a wide receiver for a four-year contract. That's like absolutely – talk about absurd money. And that I, might I would be more absurd. But listen, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL, arguably. I mean, obviously, Cooper Cup, some people might say, but – to me, Devontae Adams. But how will it be going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr? Not that Derek Carr is a bad quarterback, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. So He was his college quarterback. Very true. So they have a rapport. They have a rapport. But still, I know he said he wasn't going to play under the franchise tag. Just last week, I think. How long ago was it? It wasn't that long ago. I can't believe week. that this trade materializes fast. I'm well, shocked. Well, from what I was reading – and there was a couple reports. Apparently, this trade was kind of being in the works for a longer period of time than than was being. Re it wasn't actually out there. So apparently, this was being worked out even before he uh, came out and said he wasn't going to sign the franchise tag. So I'm assuming that means a little bit of collusion going on, as as we know happens anyway in the NFL and Major League Baseball. So yeah, but yep, for yep. that matter. Yeah, moving on to the next Mo thing. Moving on, another thing as a Mets fan that affects me, and I this is mind-boggling to me. And Jay, as you know, both you and I are vaccinated, you know, so we're not anti-vax and you know whatever. I'm pro-science, this and that. But what I cannot understand is with the entire country easing up on mask mandates and vaccine mandates. Here you have the city of New York, New York City, the city of Manhattan. Mayor Eric Adams came out the other day and said that Mets and Yankee players who are unvaccinated will not be able to play home games. Dude, considering that baseball's played outside and how far apart are the players for the most part, my mind is blown at that we've come this far and only New York City is going to say this right now. And I don't know who's vaccinated or who's unvaccinated. Guys aren't like announcing it. But, dude, you could have a situation where Jacob DeGrom can't pitch home games or Pete Alonzo can't play home games or Aaron Judge, who I know is unvaccinated, can't play home games for the Yankees. And then let's think of this absurdity. Kyrie Irving has not been able to play home games for the, for the Nets in Brooklyn all season. Now, earlier in the COVID pandemic, I guess it, 
kind of made more sense because we were still in the hysteria of the whole thing. And there was like a lot of, you know, it was spreading and it's not, but it's not the way it was now. And they've eased the mandate so much that they allow visiting teams, players who are unvaccinated to play. But because the mandate in New York specifically refers to city employees, Mets and Yankees and Nets can't play, but players visiting them can play. So say the Phillies are playing the Mets and the games in City Field, say there's five unvaccinated Phillies. They can play, but any unvaccinated Mets can't play because they're city employees in New York. Where is the fucking sense, dude? So Kyrie Irving, the other day, did you see he actually went to the Nets game as a fan because he's not allowed to play because he's unvaccinated, but he is allowed to go to the game as a fan. So he sat front row courtside as a fan to watch his team play a game that he's not allowed to play in with no mask. He was allowed to go in as a fan, right? But he can't play the game. But the team the Nets were playing were allowed to bring players in that are unvaccinated that can play. What is the sense, Jay? Well, listen. Think like, about this. The, we, the madness. We have said hundreds and hundreds of times we are not a political show. Nor I know, but I, this is insanity. But, no, and, but hear me out. It, this goes beyond politics at this point. It is – you just use the word, insanity. I mean – Realistically, and I'm not saying COVID is over because obviously people are still getting it, but like we have started to move on as a country. You notice it in almost all other jobs and all other walks of life where mask mandates have pretty much been removed. Even, you know, obviously, you know, some people are still, you know, it's their right not to get vaccinated. I, I mean, obviously you and I are and, you know, we're not anti-vax, but people have that right. And yes, it, it's just crazy that somebody can't, at this point, play a game, but they can go in the same stadium as a fan and under the same guidelines. So, yeah. But and, and to, to take it a step further, at some point, it's no longer a pandemic. It's an endemic. So, like, my point is this. I get the flu shot every year. I do. Full disclosure. I, it's not because I really care either way. It's like I go to the doctor for my annual physical. Doctor says, oh, you want your flu shot? I just say yes. Because it's not that important to me to say, oh, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't want the flu shot. I just do what the doctor tells me. Whatever happened to just trusting your doctor? Why does everything have to be forced on our throats by politicians? And my opinion is, like I said, I believe in the COVID vaccination. My opinion is if the government stopped trying to force feed it to people so much that the pe I think the people that were on the fence might actually just start listening to their doctors like they used to. It would become like a thing like, oh, the flu shot, where the doctor says, oh, you want your COVID shot? You want your flu shot when they go for the physical? We'll get there. We'll get there. But it, it takes time. And here's the thing. I can guarantee you neither one of us go around saying, oh, do you have your flu vaccine? I've never asked somebody in my entire life if they have their flu vaccine. Why am I doing it with their COVID vaccine? Or any, I, I just, I don't care. I don't care. And you know what? Even if I did, it doesn't change this particular thing. If you can go to New York City and play a game as a visiting player unvaccinated, it makes no sense that a player who's an employee in New York City can't play the game. That's unvaccinated. We have a commenter here. It's stupid government control. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, it is at this point. And that's the sad part. And, and again, you can go as a fan with no mask, unvaccinated, but can't play in the game. So when a player who's a superstar, one of the elite players in the NBA, can go watch his own team play as a fan in the front row courtside, unvaccinated, unmasked, without an issue, but he can't play in the game, we've gone off the deep end. We, we're no longer speaking insane terms we're just not so it, there's no arguing this anymore it's like it's it's got to stop and something's got to be done before opening day because no the people have had enough people have had, and baseball fans have had enough we've talked about it the 60 game season the lockout it's not fair to the fans they don't deserve it so anyway we'll get we're going to move on it's time for our very special guests before we bring them out Jay and I want to play a little promo video, get you pumped up, and then we're going to bring out our special guest, Loungefly, Loungefly, sorry, the premier Stone Temple Pilots tribute band. So, Jay, hit it. Wrong video.
Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have Ira and Brian here from Loungefly. That was cool. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Jay accident. Jay Jay gave a sneak peek of what we have in store for later. He's put the wrong video up for a quick okay. Second. No, <laughs> we'll get I'm, to that. I'm I'm teaser. <laughs> I got chills, guys. When I when I watched that video, I mean, we just had a commenter here. Aaron, why don't you throw that comment back up? Yeah, like, we have Adam C. I mean, honest to God, wow, sounds just like them. Awesome. Legit are the best Stone Temple tribute band I've ever seen. And the only one I will ever watch because you guys just kill it. Every and time. We are so glad to have uh, forged the friendship with you guys. Like, honest to God, you guys are like the nicest people in the world. And, uh, you know, you guys really treated us well when we came to your first show. And we'll never forget that. Like, I mean, I got the shirt and we're just <laughs> excited to have you guys back. And like I said, you're welcome anytime. So oh, thanks. why don't we tell everyone what you guys have been up to and uh, let's get a little, uh, you know, sneak peek of what's to come. Cool. Yeah. Why don't uh, you tell us a little about what's going on, guys? Tell us. What do you got up? You got got up? First off, I think you guys caught me. Uh, uh, I had a switch from, from readers to uh, I'm a rock star, you know, as you guys were, were putting us in. So I think I got caught in the transition. Hey, and, it's all good. And Aaron, we'll talk about you, this whole Mets fan thing that I just learned about as I was listening to you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into that another time, but um, <laughs> we can get it. Bring it in now. Bring it on. It's, it but, is sports and metal. Right. Don't be shy. Yeah, this guy's we're we're going we're gonna to start there. I mean, we can <laughs> We can start that. Listen, I'm uh, I'm I'm sitting here on my on my porch, and five minutes that way is Philadelphia, right? So, I mean, <laughs> you know, yep. I, mean, I got you. Back. I got you. There's a lot of love here, but I'm just feeling some kind of way. But I'll get over. I, it. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. And maybe it'll make you feel better. My two favorite single season ball clubs ever are the '86 Mets. And believe it or not, the 93 Phillies. I knew you were going to say that. Love that team. And ask Jay. And well, in, in 93, you may remember the Mets were awful. They lost 105 games. Yeah. Awful team. And like in spring training, I don't know what it was. I remember I predicted to one of my buddies, the Phillies are going to win the division. And nobody predicted that they would. And they did. And I, obviously they had Dykstra, who I love. Obviously he was a Met. And I'm telling you, I just love that down and dirty team. I love the mullets. I love Crocker. I love Dave Hollins, Pete and Cavilia. And yeah. I was at so many games that summer at the vet, and it was it was rocking. So yeah, there man. you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Make it that, feel a little all right. better. All right, I feel good. <laughs> so what so what are we up to? Um so we uh we are part of um something really cool and really fun called 90s Rock Fest. It's something that we as a band have wanted to do for a long time, as much as we enjoy playing our solo shows, um, and we do. Um, we've wanted to kind of take this thing to another level and, and partner up with some other bands. And, and, um, so we built this package called nineties rock fest. Uh, we do uh, great work with our buddies and our partners in crime, uh, in best of foo. They are an amazing, uh, foo fighters tribute band. And so us and foo, we go out and we do all kinds of shows. And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll throw a third band on, uh, to open the show depending upon kind of who's available. And, and uh, of course, we're looking for quality acts and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and we just build this 90s thing that, like, come and see the show, see three hours of, like, all the stuff you remember from from the 90s and uh, and relive it. And um, and it's hitting the road starting in a couple of weeks. We're traveling all over the place. We're, um, we're in central Pennsylvania on April 2nd at a really cool venue called Mickey's Black Box. It's part of the uh, Rock Lidditz compound, which is an amazing creative space and an amazing uh, uh, um, musical uh, just um, facility and, and uh, arena there that's amazing. Uh, it's about a, a, a 600 seat arena that's uh, amazing that we're playing. Uh, and then we're hitting Pittsburgh and Cleveland and uh, southern maryland and and uh we have some upstate new york and new england stuff that's not on the on the books yet but that you'll see later and then we're back late in the year uh at uh i guess what we call our home spot of the landis theater down in vineland and uh it's just uh it's just a blast man we're having such a such a good time with it that's great why don't so what what was the um 
tell us about a little bit how you got the 90s rock fest thing going i know that was something the last time you guys were on the show you guys were really wanting to get done and get bands to do it like tell me how it came to fruition i know you did the one show recently with best of foo and the lead betters which was i saw them online awesome pearl jam tribute that was at the landis right yeah they're, they're great yeah. they're yeah, great yeah. so tell us a little bit how you how you got this how, what, what was the idea behind it and how you got it together well, that was our first one, right? Uh, that that one that you guys saw, uh, and that was a that was a great night. It was how it came together was uh, Brian and I put this thing together a couple of years ago. This band and um, just always wherever we were at that moment musically, uh, we always had our sights on getting it uh, to a better and bigger place because um, we just for us play in front of people is what it's all about. It's the, it's the, it's the juice, right? It's the thing that makes you go, Holy shit, this is worth it. Um, yep. And uh, so wherever we were in the moment, uh, we were always like, we just want it to be more. We want it to be bigger. We want it to be better. We want it to be a big fucking party. And so nineties uh, rock fest was just uh, an idea um, and an idea and an idea. And then it just became a thing. And now it's a thing that is, um, it's it's I don't know I, I don't I wouldn't call it touring maybe uh, but it's it's traveling and it's um and it's becoming its thing and um you know we uh, uh we work hard to find new places that want to put it in there and um, you know what we have to prove is that we uh, we have a really quality show and that we can sell tickets it's the bottom line yeah. and that's the that's the only thing that gets us to the next place and and um, so far we're showing that to people so it's it's good. Yeah, you guys have shows coming up in Maryland. Like sh you have a show in Cleveland, so you guys are starting to, yeah. you know, take it take it places. Yeah, man. April second yeah. is is like I said, it's Mickey's Black Box. If you guys have never seen it, go on their Facebook page or go on their website. It's uh, it it is truly what it is. It's this big back black box, um, and it's really cool. It can have a bunch of different configurations. It can be like a three hundred and fifty seat uh, theater where they can retract all the seats and it becomes a 600 uh, general admission uh, arena, uh, which is what we're doing. We're doing the, uh, the, the general admission thing. And um, it's just this amazing big concert venue that Sammy Hagar played there a couple of nights ago with his band for a private party. And uh, we're there on April 2nd. The, the, the team there has been amazing. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big epic night. That one is, um, that one's us, best of foo again, and uh, the band that's starting that night is uh, they're called Remedy. They're a, uh, a tribute to uh, the Black Crows, and um, so um, it's just going to be like a real cool rock and roll '90s night. That's awesome. You know what, Jay and I, we want to play another video. We want to give everybody a little taste of what they can expect if they come to this awesome show. Uh oh, is that is that the one we saw? That was yeah. We're gonna there? we're gonna play it. Yep. All right, so that was just so you guys know. Yeah, and we were going to ask you, so tell us. Yep. So that was rehearsal a few weeks ago. So um, we were playing a show down at the Queen a couple weeks ago, and we wanted to do, and it was probably our last solo show for a while. So we wanted to do something different than what we normally do. So we um, we did about forty minutes of an acoustic set, uh, truly an acoustic set, where guys had their uh, acoustic guitars plugged in, and I was playing on a cajon. Uh, and we did some really cool stuff. And then uh, there was a little intermission and we then we just went face melting STP. And um, these guys went and snuck in and, and uh, we'd never done it before. So they just snuck in and, and did like a little mini uh, uh, rehearsal on what it's going to be like on acoustic guitars. And, and that's what this video is. And that's awesome. I, I was going to actually ask you after the video. But since you brought it up, I was going to say, you know, in the upcoming shows, should we expect an acoustic segment? Not anytime soon. Okay. Probably, probably we're gonna not. Be, we're going to be loud. Okay. If we...
horrible. Anyway, guys, every time I watch it, I like it more. You know what? really missed you in that, Ira. I never even saw the whole video. I wasn't at that rehearsal. Um, but it was the only time, like, seriously, we they've ever done an acoustic thing just to get ready. I've never even seen the whole video, so thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, You're welcome. Yeah, and, you Brian, I love, I love the harmony vocals, and I oh, love your little rhythm guitar during the solo. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, Scott, I mean, is, he's a great singer. Uh, and I'll tell you, and he hates the solo, no for note. It's it's a, it's authentic STP, yeah. you know. Thank you. Which is all you can ask for if you're going to see a tribute band. We're we're really tuning up to be loud on this one for for August. Uh, sorry, <laughs> all good. That's yeah. all good. But I, like I said, I, I mean, anybody that is a Stone Temple Pilots fan would appreciate that because you guys are on point. That's oh, that's totally STP unplugged right there. <laughs> I mean, I love the face melting, but. Honest to God, you guys, that to me, like I said, when I hear acoustic, uh, you know, segments like that, it, like like I was telling you earlier, the intro video gives me chills. I got like an extra level of a chill when I listen to that acoustic. And your your vocals, I mean, not just you, you, Scott, the whole band, but all of – and, and Richard. Let's not forget Richard. He's an amazing right? bass player. Amazing like honestly it's it's realistically like i'm listening to stone Temple pilots like more so than any tribute band like everybody in the band plays the part like to a t and yeah there's thank a, you i, I thank i'm you. not trying to keep gushing over it but it is you guys really are oh oh go on <laughs> it's like, oh my god every time i hear it and then i and aaron was like yo you gotta check this video out because i hadn't even seen it and i i that's actually the first that I saw the whole thing just now. But like listening to it, it's just like, oh my God. If you weren't looking realistically, if somebody heard that and didn't see the, the video and they just heard the song, right. it, you can't get Thank more you. authentic. You can't. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you asked that question earlier about how did this happen? I mean, that's what that's what we wanted to do, right? And and um, you know, we had to find the right the right guys. Um, and that took that took some time um, and then it had to become a show and uh, we're just lucky. And, and here's the other thing we're lucky about. And I can say this, it, it's crazy. Like the four of us love each other. Like it's insane. Uh, I've been in bands um, for a long, long time. And there's all, you know, there's always a little something, something, right? A uh, little, maybe one of the guys with another one. Of the, this is four guys that uh, uh, have a blast. If you look at our, our pictures uh, or our videos on our on our page, uh, you see guys smiling at each other and uh, uh, and having fun. And when we see each other for a rehearsal, we uh, we hug it out. And when we leave, we said uh, we'll see it soon. And, and we hug it out. And it's um, and that comes off on on stage because it's it, it's a fucking blast and we love it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. We could see that. Yep, camaraderie. Like, that's the word that comes to mind to me, like brothers, like basically like brothers in arms. You guys all have each other's backs and you could see it in, in not only in your work ethic, but your dedication to getting better at your craft. Like you guys just don't settle. You're always looking for the next best thing and the next best way to improve yourselves. And like I said, that to me is the difference between somebody being mediocre or good at their job, which let's face it, it's not a job because you're having fun, but it's still technically it's an income, you know, obviously to a certain extent for you guys, but more so than that, it's the difference between being mediocre or good and being great. And and you guys have that. Like I, I, I see it not only in the way that you guys, I mean, like I said, the first time we had you guys on, you guys were at practice rehearsal when you came on the show, like that right there, just, shows that you guys are dedicated and but also these videos like it's almost like you guys basically look and i'm not saying because let's face it nobody's perfect but you're always looking to make sure that it's as good as it can be and that there's you know that you didn't miss anything yeah and, and, and jay makes a good point even the down to the appearance even down to the appearance you know yeah you yeah. know it's funny that you say that we uh we had uh we had a rehearsal last night, and uh, when you come to somebody, we got some some cool new stuff coming. By the way, we have a couple of new songs in there, and we also have um, 
we also have some uh, some samples that we're using to start some songs like that are just like like kind of take the show to a next place that give it some some real sounds from the records. Uh, um, and um, we got to rehearsal last night and we were talking and on one of the new songs, we were, we were arguing over whether the fact that the chorus goes in on an upbeat or it goes down on a downbeat and just one, one, one beat. We're like, Oh shit, that goes on a downbeat, you know? And, uh, yeah. and we were playing it up because everything else was on an upbeat. And for you musicians, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but like, that's what it is. We want the downs to be downs. We want the ups to be ups. And we want it to be where we, um, where we, where we know we got it as close as we possibly can be. And, uh, we've been playing them for a while, but even somebody will go, Hey man, you know what? I, it, it's really this, not, not that. And all of a sudden it becomes that. And wherever it was, we just try to get it a little better every time we get together. That's awesome. That is awesome. So Brian, and, why, why don't you tell us kind of what you've been working on? Uh, like, just practicing in the band. You mean, mean for the band or? Well, uh, just in general, like, you, you know how like you told, us, you told us our your story about how you kind of went from quiet shy guy to you know lead front man basically yeah. it's like almost like you changed your uh role as far as like you know who you were just right. tell everybody about that maturation because honestly that's like a huge thing like it you should really take pride in that because uh, Listen, thanks. I got to be honest with you. I'm very shy, but sometimes it's like you look at yourself and you're like, dude, I got to come out of my comfort zone. You know what I mean? And like yeah, doing that that's exactly, shows that's exactly it. Yeah. a lot of maturity. I, I think that's exactly it. You, you challenge yourself um, to keep getting better and better. And, and, uh, and it's nice to have band, band members like I have who believe in me, who are always there and are, they're very supportive. Um, but you're right. You, you just have to keep challenging yourself and and go out there and give it everything you got because you only have one life. And and uh, it, it's it's just been a, it's been a good journey. I think there's still a long ways to go. Uh, I, I think there's always ways we can improve. There's always ways we can challenge ourselves. And and whenever we reach that point, uh, then we have to find bigger and better goals. And that's the, that's the only way to handle it. Well, I remember the first time we had you guys on, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I remember Ira saying when he thought of doing this, the first person he thought of to be the front man was you, Brian. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he will never let me play bass with him in a band again. <laughs> Ever. Uh, I won't I ask. I won't ask. I don't want to at this point. But. I, I, actually, it's funny. I, uh, I was putting together a 90s cover band. I don't know. Whatever it was. What, what was it? Seven years ago? Brian, eight years ago? something yeah. i was putting together a 90s cover band and um we were having bass players come in audition and he and brian came down to audition and when he left the rest of the guys in the band were like well i mean okay but he sings really well so like all right <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just take him because he sings really well the bass thing i guess will work itself out <laughs> and then uh the cover right. thing was not what I I wanted to do. I I, I I enjoy the experience of trying to to replicate like the thing more, but I mean, first off, Brian and I are friends. But but outside of that, it was just like, well, shit, he pulls that off really well, and uh, and let's go do this thing. So it was it was a no brainer for sure. Well, and, and that and that was kind of what I was kind of getting at. Like, it, it's one thing to have a, a musical talent, like. And with you obviously being a singer, it's your vocals. But it's another thing to actually have the talent to be able to play and pay tribute to to, to people that you know were artists that are considered legends. Right. And like I said, with Scott Weiland, he had that personality of like the great stage presence and like you know an entertainer. But he also has that kind of quiet side to him that you kind of just never know the character behind the that really is a very that true makes sense like and honestly like you're almost this to a t that same way because it's like <laughs> a lot of times it's like you're hard to figure out and i'm not saying it negatively i'm saying right. like it's a talent to be able to put on the persona of somebody that's so dynamic as scott wild I, I mean it really right. is I, you 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 do embody it, Brian. You do. I, I agree. Do that. Like, that would be like me. me. But 
But uh, honestly, I, that would be like me, Jason Schaefer, trying to Jason Voorhees. You're live. <laughs> there you go. That would be like me, Jason Voorhees, trying to go and play the role We're, of like Mike Schmidt. You know what I'm saying? As, like it's just not that easy. As long as we keep Brian away from the heroin. And and mm. and well, and you know, I mean, that's that, a, that, that, that that did our boy in, man. That stuff got yeah, got it, got him good. Yeah, he so certainly. As long as, as long I as certainly Brian feel very uh very confident having these three guys up there with me. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that helps, and and the way that these crowds are getting bigger and bigger, uh, and singing along, uh, I feed off of that. The closer the crowd can get, and the more they can yell, uh, it helps. Absolutely. Right. Anyway, guys, we're going to keep you on. It's time for a segment that you've been here before for it because you've been on the show. It's time for a segment we call the Picks of the Week. Picks. And we're going to keep the theme, Scott Weil and STP theme. Jay, who do you want to go first, me or you? Well, I think it's your turn. Okay, that's fine. So my pick of the week is Scott Weiland's second solo album, his first after his departure from Velvet Revolver. And the album is called Happy and Galoshes. And I, it, it, I mean, the first album, I think, got a little more publicity. His first solo album, 12 Bar Blues. But it's the second one that I actually prefer, Happy and Galoshes. Um, it came out, like I said, right after his departure from Velvet Revolver. He claimed that he was sober during the recording of it. I have a feeling he wasn't. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I saw Velvet Revolver many times. But one particular show, my buddy, a friend of mine named Mike, he actually worked for Matt Sorum, gun, drummer from Guns N' Roses and Velvet Revolver, and he used to do his um, website. He used to do, I don't, I don't know, his website marketing, whatever he did. He worked on his internet presence, something like that. So long story short, he got us um, tickets to a, the show in uh, Trenton one of, on the Libertad tour, and we all went backstage. So we were hanging out with Duff McKagan and Slash, and we were hanging out with these guys, but there was one person who wasn't there, and it was Scott. Hmm. And this was like toward the end of Velvet Revolver. And you could tell that the band was fragmented because like they were all hanging out with each other, but except Scott, like he was just in his own world. And I remember, and I used, that was when I used to smoke cigarettes, which I don't now. This was back in like 2006 or seven, I guess. No, it had to be 2007 because Libertad came out in 2007. It must've been 2007. It was Libertad tour. And uh, I went outside with one of my buddies to smoke in the back and a, a, a limo pulls up and Scott Weiland gets out of it. And he walks up. And we're outside smoking, and he walks right past me and my buddy James, and we're like, "What's up, Scott?" And he's like, "Yeah, dude." And you could tell he was stoned out of his mind on heroin. Oh, he was stoned out of his mind, and so you you know he was he was he was obliterated, and he still did the show, and it was awesome. But you could tell he was just whacked. Wow, so anyway, man. Happy and Galoshes came out not too long after that, so I can't imagine he was sober because that's why he was out of Velvet Revolver, and that's why STP had trouble getting back with him at that point. Um, yeah, but the album yeah. is just great, and and I think the title is really cool because "Happy" in quotes in galoshes kind of personifies the man that Scott Weiland was. Like, was he ever really happy? And it's like kind of like you're not happy when it's raining, right? Galoshes, it's raining. It's kind of a play on words. Like he's only happy when it's raining. So I thought right. the title was really cool, and it was just kind of like a glammy psychedelic rock and roll record, and. You know, it had he had a great cover of David Bowie's fame on the record. And actually, Paul Oakenfeld, the trance DJ, contributed to that track. The first wow. single on the album was a track called Missing Cleveland, which I really liked. Second single was called Paralysis. I mean, long story short, it was just a really good record top to bottom. I dug it. And for me, it was like the last really great thing Scott Weiland did. I know he did the one more record with STP, which was solid. Has a couple standout tracks. And then he had his like little project, Scott Weiland and the Wildabouts. And he right. also did the An- Art of Anarchy album with Bumblefoot and the yeah. bass player from Disturbed. He kind of like disowned that project. But Happy and Galoshes to me like exemplified the man that Scott Weiland was. And if you haven't heard that album, I highly recommend picking it up. You know what, Aaron? You, you bring up something too. Um, you talk about Scott as a guy, right? And um, how you could tell the band was fragmented. And I feel like he had that effect on people because um, he was such a genius and he was, he was like brilliant and beautiful and an amazing lyricist and songwriter. And, and yet if you knew him, I guess as a person, of course I didn't, um, you were probably frustrated by how he just 
threw all that away, right? And yeah, and um, because I've seen uh, uh, interviews with the other guys from STP, you know, the DeLeos and, and Eric Kretz, and they talk about him the same way. They're like, they're like, fuck that guy. Like, like they were, they were, they were, they loved him, and they were so angry with him, you know, for for getting what he had. And um, I mean, listen, and, and and drugs are horrible. You don't, you don't control that that can control you but like forgetting what he had and and um and throwing it away and squandering it and it must just be for those that know you and love you it must just be such a um it's such a horrible thing to go through and it makes you angry and it makes you sad and all those and i think he just had a, that effect on on those that that he was with you know you know and but and to that point sometimes the things that make some of these artists so great are the things that also destroy them like I, I've talked to you guys before about Guns N' Roses, they're my favorite band, but Guns N' Roses was almost like such a, a a train wreck that they weren't meant to last. They were meant to be like the greatest band in the world for four years. It couldn't have gone further. It's amazing Scott Weiland lasted as long as he did, and and it, to me, it's almost like so poetic that Scott Weiland ended up in a band with the guys from Guns N' Roses. Crazy. And the guys from Guns N' Roses were trying to get him sober. Look at the Unreal. irony in that. It's insane. Like Duff McKagan was so fucked up drinking that his pancreas exploded. He had third degree burns inside of his body. And they said, if you have one more drink, you're going to die. And like, if you look at, at Duff McKagan now, he's ripped. He does triathlons. He's like the super smart guy. He writes a column for ESPN, the magazine. And he, 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 somehow he did what Scott Weiland never could. He was able to like figure it out. And, and Duff McKagan did everything he could to try to help Scott. If you look at the Fall to Pieces video, the Velvet Revolver Fall to Pieces video, there's some great reenactment reenactments of Scott going through his addiction and withdrawals and Duff trying to pull him off the mat. But, I, I mean, again, like Guns N' Roses was very similar in the sense that sometimes it's just not meant to last. And the things that make these artists so tortured are the things that make them great, as, as, as sad as it is to say. You know, they, a lot of guys don't Agreed. make it out. You know, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Bon Scott. Scott Weiland lasted a long time. And to, Lane, I wish he was Lane Staley. Lane, yeah, so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when you think about that era since we're bringing it up. Kurt Cobain, dead. Chris Cornell, dead. Lane Staley, dead. Scott Weiland, dead. I mean, so, somebody has got to rap. rap Eddie Vedder and bubble tape and tell him yeah. not to leave the fucking house. Cause he's and the only one uh, still standing. <laughs> and I don't want to say lesser known, but you know, Shannon Hoon, right. And uh, uh, another one, Shannon Hoon's gone. The, um, what's who his, recently uh, passed away from, um, uh, Mark Lanigan. Yes. Yes. And what yes. about, uh, what's his name from, uh, um, mother love bone. Um, yeah. Andrew Wood. Andrew yes. Wood. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, addiction is definitely, I mean, you guys just kind of nailed it. But, like, I, I think a lot of what addicts go through that, that are musicians, like, it, you see it in the music. And it actually makes the music, I don't want to say better, but, like, it almost kind of gives it, like, the vibe that, they were able to come up with that because they had such a, you know, life of turmoil. Without like, sounding like an asshole, I think it does make the music better because it's that torture, right? It's that suffering that makes the art so great. That's why the term tortured artist exists to me. Like sometimes that pain is what makes you put that pen to paper yeah. and come up with this great art. Some, yeah. Without the pain, I don't know if the art exists sometimes. Otherwise, then it's the Spice Girls. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's yeah. no pain in the Spice Girls, you're saying? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. So tell me what you want, what you're really not saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to use the – well, yeah, fake, the term fake. A lot a lot of stuff is just made up. But like you said, I, I think you're right. I think that's what separates it, the reality of the situation. The fact of the matter is, is that a lot of times even – these stories can actually help other addicts. Like when they listen to the music, like they actually can understand that these, that real, like their, their childhood, like idols 
kind of went through the same thing and they that they're going through. And that kind of does hit home. I mean, I, I myself, I mean, I, I've spoke numerous times. I, I'm not afraid to admit, you know, I, I, I obviously I'm in recovery and being a recovering, you know, addict, it, you know, is never easy. But when you see like, like, I'll give you an example, like what Aaron said, Duff. I mean, I read his book and it's just absolutely amazing. Like, and Duff didn't have one of those like come to Jesus moments where like he had to get sober, like where he, well, he did, he almost he died. He had to get sober for medical reasons. He almost died. <laughs> yeah. So in reality, he did. But a lot of people sometimes don't get to that point. They either OD and don't get saved or they don't have a situation where they, you know, maybe go to prison for three years and, and, and realize like, man, my life is a train wreck. Most addicts don't have that happen. And that's why they continue down the road of addiction because in their minds, like addicts never want to admit that they have an issue. It usually takes an act of God or something like that. Like in Duff's case, his, his pancreas almost blew up. Well, like, it did blow up. <laughs> actually get to the point where you're like, well, I, I can't do this anymore. So yeah. unfortunately, some artists don't get that, don't have that happen. So anyway. But before we get too far off subject, like when I'm talking about the pain, it could be the addiction, but it could it could also just be, you know, breaking up with your girlfriend. Pains. Great art is just based to me in pain and experience. The blues. Experience, yeah, yeah. The life, the, the, the life is what makes great art, and it's usually uh, yeah, it's usually yeah. filled with pain. You know, my girl left me. I got no home. I got no home. I'm on my own. Yeah, you don't want me singing. You already heard my voice. <laughs> anyway, Jay, why don't you give us your pick of the week? Many videos. All right. Well, anyway, without further ado, I mean, we're speaking of Guns and Roses, and we're speaking of Stone Temple Pilots here. So, my pick of the week is actually from the band Velvet Revolver. But it's not the pick of the week that most people would think. Obviously, most people, when they hear Velvet Revolver, kind of go towards the Contraband record. My actual personal favorite, and I love Contraband because I think it obviously had many amazing elements. But my personal favorite is actually Libertad. Um, to me, it was the 2007, obviously, follow-up to their you know, Contraband in, you know, first record. I, I just love what this record does because I, I, I saw a little bit of a style change. Like it didn't have like whereas where contraband to me was more of like Guns N' Roses elements kind of combined with Stone Temple Pilots. I see more of an influence from Scott Weiland on this record. I do, too. I it think it seems more like a more Stone like Temple Pilots album. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it was a lot to do with Scott Weiland, you know, his influence on the band and where he was at at that time. Um, you know, obviously it has the classic, obviously Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses, most bands usually come out with that hard, heavy opener, and this this record's no different with Let It Roll. I mean, what a great opening riff. And then, she's the one with lips like candy, candy. I can't sing, but anyway, <laughs> get the picture. He could sing oh. it better. Brian could sing it better. But... That's that. That's an awesome track. I mean, I love that opening track. Um, then you got "She Mine." Um, it's got kind of like I don't know. It sounds like an Egyptian type riff in the beginning. Um, it's got kind of weird undertones and stuff. But my personal favorite is actually the ballad on the record, and that is "The Last Flight." What an awesome ballad! And that talk about a song that would be great as an acoustic, Brian. Uh, if you ever <laughs> want to put that into your uh, repertoire, but I just love it. Like I said, it's not as it's not as known and popular. If I may chime in, Jay, since you brought up the last fight, because it kind of ties our picks of the week together. The last fight was actually Scott Weiland wrote that about his brother Michael, who had recently passed, and the Happy and Galoshes record was basically written with all that same subject matter in mind. Wow! According to Scott, so tie yeah. that together. My and what my personal favorite song on the record of Libertad, if I may chime in, is the first single, "She Builds Quick Machines." Which I also love the video, and um, they did an um, an ELO cover. Um, 
can't get you out of my head. Damn, I love that. That cover they did on Libertad. Well, like I said, I think the whole yeah, album. Really, I also love Ju uh, Just 16. That's got like that punk vibe. Excellent. Yeah. The punk side of, of like STP that you don't really, you know, see a ton of. So, but anyway, that's my awesome pick. Week. <laughs> Check it out if you haven't. Libertad, great album, great record, and uh, keeping with the uh, lounge fly theme here. So, guys, before we kind of head out, like I know you what, had what? some. I got a pick. All right, let's oh, hear it. Well, you got a pick. I'm here. I'm in. So, so it's not an, an album. It's not a record. It's a band. And here's okay. why. Because it's a band that I hadn't listened to in a long, long time. And uh, I don't know if you guys are on the bands. Have you ever heard of Bands in Town? Tanap? I did not know that app. No. So check out Bands in Town. And what you do is you'll get, uh, you kind of set preferences for what you like. And you get all kinds of updates. This band's coming and where they are in your radius and all that kind of stuff. And I got a, uh, a Bands in Town notification the other day for a band that I hadn't listened to in probably 25 years. And I went, oh shit, first off, they're coming to Penn's Peak. I want to go see them. But I've been kicking the jams out in my car ever since. Uh, and that's King's X. And Excellent band. I, I, I forgot. Like it had been so <laughs> long and I'm just like, it's loud in my car and I'm getting fired up and I'm like, I'm going to see King's X because damn they're good they, those records were produced like phenomenally that just like the product first off the songs are great the musicianship's amazing but the production of those songs i mean Fantastic. i'll hold it up against yeah it's 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 in it's insane uh just how well done those records are and um so i just got to throw some king's x out there for you guys absolutely so you got like a dual pick of the week what's the name of that app again Bands in town. Bands in town. Awesome. Awesome. And Brian, do you have something that you wanted to add? I got nothing. No pick of the week? Well, <laughs> well all right. April Here's 2nd. Your pick of the week. Pick of the your week. pick of the week is your upcoming show April 2nd <laughs> at Mickey's Black Box in Lilith, Pennsylvania. It's not That's that your pick of the week, Really not. Brian, Brian can never pronounce Lititz. He calls it Latitz. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. The, it's like a, it's like a French way of saying titties. That's people, rock and roll. That's rock people, and roll. I think we're leaving something out, Ira. People in the area need to know. It's only about a two-hour drive from South Jersey, and uh, uh, an hour, an hour and a half from Philly. So yeah, I mean, at, at the most, it's all. It's uh, actually, I'm a South Jersey guy, and from my house, uh, it says 86 minutes. So. Um, if, if you want to see an amazing show, and like I said, like this thing's filling up. It's just going to be just like a, a party, and it's a whole compound. There's hotels around. There's If you want to stay, stay. If not, you're only 90 minutes away from home, and um, um, you're going to see the Black Crows. You're going to see uh, Foo, and you're going to and, – and by the way, that's the other thing about 90s Rock Fest. We don't, these aren't grunge shows, you know. These are, um, these are rock shows. Uh, we're rock bands. Uh, we're out there kicking it out hard, and um, not that grunge didn't kick it out hard because I, you know, I have, I have my my affinity for some of that too. But we're we're rock and rollers. We like rock bands, like lay down, like just kick you in the face with it, and that's that's what you get at our shows. So that's awesome. Yeah. So definitely check it out, guys. April second in Latitz, Pennsylvania. Lounge <laughs> Fly, '90s Rock Fest mm -hmm. with Best of Foo and Remedy. Uh, Black Crows tribute band. Anyway, guys, uh, we always appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you guys are always welcome. You guys are friends of the show. Uh, hope to have you back soon. Everybody, don't forget, check out Sports and Metal on all social media platforms, at Sports and Metal. That's on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, your mother's ass. No, sorry. <laughs> and don't forget to check out our website, www.sportsandmetal.com. There you'll find old episodes of the podcast. This episode of the podcast, you'll find our blog. And don't forget our sponsor, Lots of Rain Watches. These are the premier custom-made watches out there at a superior price point to any other watch you're going to get for such a quality watch. You go to their website, www.lotsofrain.com. That's L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM as in sports and metal. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. So again. Thank you, Ira Brian from Loungefly for coming on. As always, thanks everybody for watching. This is Aaron Savage, Jason Boer. He's signing off. Rock on.
Thank you. You guys are the best. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at Sports and Metal 0423 at Yahoo.com or on Twitter at Sports and Metal.